0: Welcome to the Lexplorers podcast, exploring the world of language learning, exploring the world by learning languages.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Lexplorers podcast, episode three. I'm David, host of the Lexplorers podcast series, where we are bringing you conversations with people who have interesting and fun stories from their personal language learning journeys. We focus particularly on how our guest's language learning has led them to unexpected places and situations. For our conversation today, I'll be joined by Yvette, all the way from Taipei. She'll be talking about growing up in the Philippines, speaking Fukanese, Filipino, and English. And then later, her return to her roots as an adult, living and working in the Philippines and Taipei. Thank you for agreeing to do this. Thanks for for joining us all the way from Taipei.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: (laughs) What time is it there?
0: Um, we're, there's a 12-hour difference, so okay. right now it's uh, 9.28 p.m. Okay. It's the exact opposite.
1: Okay, that's easy to keep track of. So let's start at the beginning. When you were growing up, where were you growing up, and what did you speak with your family?
0: Okay, so I grew up in the Philippines. Um, we spoke Filipino, English, and Fukinese at home.
1: Okay, the Filipino is Tagalog?
0: Yes, Tagalog.
2: Okay. Yeah.
0: So Filipino is the national language, um, but it's based on Tagalog, which is Ah. a dialect. Okay. Um, The reason why it was picked to be the national language was because, like just a quick history, Tagalog was the spoken language of the uh, ruling class that was working with the Americans when the Americans colonized the Philippines. Mm -hmm. So when the Americans decided to hand over the Philippines to the Filipinos, They decided that, you know, it needs a national language. And so that's why uh, since the ruling class uh, spoke Tagalog, Tagalog became the national language. Mm -hmm. But in in reality, there are more Filipinos who speak Cebuano. Cebuano is the uh, dialect that's spoken by a number of people in the in central in the central part of the Philippines and in the southern part of the Philippines. Okay. So so the Cebuanos will always say well, you know, the national language if if it's supposed to go by uh, the majority of people who speaking it, it should have been Cebuano.
1: Okay. And and Filipino is different from Tagalog and Cebuano?
0: Um Filipino is very very similar to Tagalog. It's okay. basically Tagalog um, but of course, you know, different regions would have um, certain words that they speak in Tagalog that that's not part of the national language.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So yes, uh, but Cebuano, Cebuano is closer, they say, to uh, Spanish. Okay. Like like, uh, um, but although like people would say like even if they speak Cebuano, it's not necessarily that they would understand Spanish.
1: And and there's Spanish history in the Philippines also, right? I...
0: Let yes, because it was uh, the, the Philippines was colonized for 300 years by the Spaniards.
1: Okay. Cebuano and Tagalog are they very close to Spanish, or is there a lot of vocabulary <laughs> shared?
0: There, there are lots of uh, shared vocabularies. So, for example, uh, when we greet, like when we say "How are you," uh, we say "Kamusta ka." Ah. So it's very similar to Spanish, which is "Como estas." Mm-hmm. And then there are some words like. Caballo. Caballo is like horse. horse.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And then um, also, uh, what else? Calle. Street.
2: Uh huh. Calle. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's, there's lots of words in Filipino or Tagalog that, as, and a lot in Cebuano that came from Spanish.
2: Okay.
1: And then there's also a Chinese influence at some point in history.
0: Yes. There are, there are some words. Uh, in Filipino, uh, that come from, uh, Chinese. Yeah. But a lot of the ones that I know are food related. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, um, there's one dish that a lot of Filipinos love. It's called bihun. Bihun. Mm -hmm. It's like, uh, rice noodles. Okay. So that's the same word that's in, um, in, uh, uh, fukinis, bihon, mm-hmm. mifen its like rice noodle. Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: So, so the only ones I know that Filipino words that came from Chinese are mostly food-related.
1: though <laughs> <laughs> so I I just learned recently that Tagalog is in the top ten in the U.S. in uh, most common languages. <laughs> I didn't realize that the Filipino community in the U.S. was so large.
0: Yes, it it is pretty big. Um I I'll, yes, there there were a lot of um migration from the Philippines to the US. Um what usually happens is like once someone in the family is already in the US, then the rest of the family follows. <laughs> and then also I think there was also this program where um if I'm not mistaken um, Filipinos who served for the U.S. Army during the World War II
2: mm-hmm.
0: got automatic citizenship or something. Okay. So some yeah. of them, some of their families waited for a long time. So then that's why they. So there's a lot of Filipinos in in the U.S. because okay.
1: of that. Okay. It's it's kind of a hidden minority in the U.S. Like if if you, it have, is. If it you is. ask somebody, what are the the most common languages in the U.S., they'd say. Uh, English, Spanish, French, Italian, German, uh, Chinese. Um, but I don't think they'd, they'd say Tagalog in the top 10.
0: Right. That, that is interesting, huh?
1: And, and I think some of those have dropped out of the top 10. I, I think maybe German and Italian aren't, aren't even as common anymore.
0: I see. Well, I think what's interesting, too, is like, I, I think with the Filipinos, a lot of them who... Do migrate, who migrated to the US? Um, there, I'm not, I don't know if I, this is accurate. This is just based on like my own observation. Because Filipinos speak English. So once they go to the US, you know, like English, it's very, uh, comfortable for them to speak in English. So there's a tendency not to, um, like preserve their language. Mm hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, yeah definitely. Um, so, so that's why, um, they, I think they integrate much better
2: mm-hmm. in
0: some ways, I think. Um, so you would see like a lot of like second or third generation Filipino Americans who, um, cannot really speak Filipino. Mm-hmm. Or they probably hear a little bit of it, but a lot of them would not, um, be able to speak it or understand it. Right.
1: Yeah, I imagine as, as an immigrant, already knowing English would be a huge advantage.
0: Right.
1: So I, I got off track. I, I uh, had asked you the, the initial question, and then, <laughs> then we Okay, got. Okay, So Let's so at, go back. So at home, you, you spoke Filipino English and... And Fukanese. Fukanese. Um, and so that's
0: like the... Uh, so my, my family um, were ethnically Chinese, Mm-hmm. So they come from the southern part of the Philippines, uh, southern part of China. Okay. So that's the uh, dialect spoken in the southern part of China, Fukiri So very, very near to the Taiwanese dialect.
1: So your your parents, as native speakers, were both Fukunese speakers?
0: hmm Yes. They're, they're, they're second or third generation Filipino Chinese. Okay. Second generation. Yeah, definitely second generation because... Um, My grandfather came from China, but back then they would, you know, the businesses were in the Philippines, but they would go back and forth. But after the uh, communists took over, then all ties were cut from China.
1: They consider themselves Chinese, Filipino.
0: Yeah, I guess like more. I mean, all of them can speak Filipino, Mm -hmm. um, but I think the uh, Chinese identity still remains quite strong. Mm hmm. So I think that's why, you know, like at home we were. My mom made sure that we learned to speak Fukinese. Mm-hmm. She actually instituted this, um, this thing where it's like a catch and reward scheme. So she required us, my two sisters and my brother, to speak in Fukinese only to one another, <laughs> because she 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 thinks that you know, like English and Filipino, we 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 have it all around us, like on TV, um, our our friends, we all speak English or Filipino. So she, she insisted that among us siblings, we have to speak Fujinis. Mm-hmm. And how she did it was that whoever speaks in English or Filipino gets one peso off their allowance to be given to the person who catches the person
1: ah.
0: speaking in English or Filipino.
1: <laughs> so she sets you against each other.
0: Yes. We had fun catching one another, but then it, she was not really that strict about, like, you know, deducting our allowances. <laughs> but it definitely made us, I guess, appreciate the language.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I guess, like, as a kid, you kind of feel like, oh, you know, like having to speak that uh, uh, Fukinese, it's such a pain. It's a little bit embarrassing. All my other friends don't have to speak it, even though they're also ethnically Chinese. Mm -hmm. But then now that we're much older, we realize how important it is to have another language. Right. And then back then, my mom was insistent on Fukienese because she's a teacher herself. So she said that we need to learn Fukienese so that when we go to school where Mandarin is taught, it will be easier for us to understand Mandarin. Like the same, like some of the words have the same sound
1: So Fukinese is in the same family as Mandarin?
0: Very close. Like there are some words that almost sound alike.
1: Are they mutually intelligible? If you speak Fukinese, can you understand Mandarin?
0: Not really, but no. You you can't really understand it. But uh, I guess when you learn Fukinese, then there are some words that's in Mandarin that you can pick up. Like for example, when you say come, like, that's Mandarin.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but in fukienese it's also lai. It's it's the same word. It's the same sound. Okay. But then when you say go, um, in Mandarin, it's qi. But then in fukienese it's ki. Mm. Ki. Okay. You know, so so yeah, it doesn't, there's some words that sound alike, but there are a number of words that do not sound alike at all.
1: And does fukienese have tones like Mandarin?
0: Uh, Yeah. But then not, I think, because Mandarin is, it's a formal language. It's like the spoken written language. Mm-hmm. So it, uh, it has like a more, so then, you know, there's the intonation and whatnot. But then with Fukienese, it's mostly spoken. So I've never seen it written down, I
2: guess. Ah.
0: So in terms of intonation, yeah, I think there is some, into, there is an intonation, but it's very, I'm not sure, like, because I've never learned it formally.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So I, I can't really say, I guess.
1: My understanding of Mandarin is it has the the rising tone, the falling tone, I think four. That, so, four, four
0: tones. Four tones, And right. then, like, there's one that's like like a staccato, mm-hmm. staccato, like...
1: And there's so, a, there's like, a famous word, I think, horse. The syllable's the same. But if you use the the four different tones, then it's four different words.
0: Yes, yes. So ma is force. Right. Ma. ma is like scolding, like you're like reprimanding someone, like mm-hmm. ma.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then when you say mama, that's mother. Uh-huh. So it's like mama. Yeah. So you know, different tones, different meaning.
2: Right. Right. But
0: but the same but the same sound.
1: And and Fukini's... Does it have a similar um, distinction based on those tones?
0: I'm not sure. I've never thought of it that way. Okay. But what's interesting is that in Filipino also, sometimes there is like a syllable. Uh, uh, there's one that we always say, like, you know, it's just one syllable, but it, you can actually communicate. So f- there's this one famous example. Um, it's called... So it, basically one person says... Baba ba baba ba, ba. Ba, ba, ba is going down. Like, baba ba, ba ba, is it going down?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and then the other person would say, like, you know, like on an elevator, someone would say, baba ba, ba ba, is it going down? And then the person would say, baba ba, ba. Like, it means like, yes, it's going down. But it's all one syllable, uh-huh. you know? So, uh-huh. so it's very interesting.
2: The, the
1: three languages you had growing up, the one was in the family, Filipino and English from the environment, from school, where, where did you learn those?
0: Uh, Filipino was definitely from, um, like because growing up we had nannies who, mm-hmm. who, who would take care of us. And uh, so then uh, they speak in Tagalog. So that's how we picked up Tagalog. And then also on TV,
2: Mm-hmm. And then
0: English was also on TV and in school. So, um, it, so in school, we learned, uh, math and science and all the other core subjects in English. Ah. Um, so I went to a private Catholic school that had Mandarin classes.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So we had one hour of Mandarin every day and one hour of Filipino language because it's required. Mm-hmm. Um, one hour of Filipino language. Class a day, uh, and then in grade school, social science and civics were taught in Filipino, but all hmm. the other subjects were taught in English.
1: From from the start, from the first. Yes, year. from the start,
0: from yeah. kindergarten.
1: And, and when you got to kindergarten, did you already speak English?
0: Uh yes, because I attended a bilingual preschool. Okay. So the preschool that I attended was. English and it also had Chinese classes. Okay. So starting from preschool, it was like bilingual. So ever since it was like three languages growing up, Mandarin was the most painful class to study growing up because, because it was pure memorization. Uh huh. So outside the classroom, it was a dead language to us. Like we didn't hear it. We didn't encounter it. Uh, I mean, even at home because, um, we spoke mainly Fukinese.
1: The, the, the Chinese Filipino community didn't speak Mandarin. Was was that no, mostly Fukinese? Mostly Fukinese, yes.
0: Okay. Mostly Fukinese. And then, uh, but everyone attended a Chinese school, so uh, Mandarin was taught mm-hmm. in school. But it was pure memorization, like everything, every day you memorize, memorize, sentence patterns, everything.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so, but then my mom, uh, being a teacher and she thinks that, you know, it's important to uh, learn a language well. And I think she was also getting tired having to teach us and knowing that it's pure memory. Everything was pure memorization. Uh, so, what happened is like for every time for a test, I would like write the same sentences like 10 times, five times, but still get it wrong. <laughs> because it's just pure mem- memorization. So. Um, and, and
1: the writing was in the Chinese characters?
0: Yes, Chinese so, characters. So
1: you were learning that as well? Or did you learn that um, from your parents in Fukunese?
0: Oh, uh, no, it's from school. Everything from school. Okay. Man- everything with Mandarin was from school. Okay. And then, so starting in seventh grade, my so when I was in seventh grade, my mom decided to send us to Taipei every summer hmm. um, to study you... Mandarin here in Taipei.
1: And did you have family there, or she just sent you on um, your own?
0: Yes, my dad's uncle is was based here in Taipei. Okay. So, and also because my mom actually, when she was growing up she spent her junior high and college here in Taipei because my grandfather moved to Taipei to work. Mm-hmm. So she ended up studying here. And so she loved Taipei and then Taiwan. And she thinks that it's very important to um, keep our language. Mm-hmm. So starting in seventh grade, she would send us every summer for two months here in Taipei to a language school. Mm-hmm. So I remember the first time I came for two months, you know, it was just like a revelation because we didn't have any choice but to speak Chinese. There was nothing on TV that was English. Even MacGyver was in Chinese.
1: (laughs) And this was Mandarin Chinese?
0: Mandarin Chinese. Okay, yeah. Mandarin Chinese. And the, the interesting thing is that there are TV shows even the movies, um, <clears throat> there's always subtitles, no matter what.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, there's always subtitles. So it, it was very helpful. So watching MacGyver in Mandarin with the Chinese character subtitles, I think that was very helpful. <laughs> so I remember after coming here for the first time after two months, when I went back uh, for, to school, Chinese class became so much easier Mm. because there was comprehension. Like I finally understood Mm -hmm. the words and like what it meant and everything. Like it, it, it it, it became more than just, you know, characters on a book.
1: Did you say thank you mom for making me go to Taiwan and, and speak Mandarin?
0: Yeah, I guess I should, I should say thank you mom. Like (laughs) we're very, we're all very grateful. I think, that's why my sisters now, they do the same thing for their kids. Ah. So like every summer, my sister's kids who are now in, the, so one uh, two of them are in Seattle, two are in New York City. So uh, starting last year, they started sending their kids to Taipei for the summer.
1: Ah, so you get to see them in Taipei.
0: Yes, and then they, they attend the same language school that we attended before.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and how do they feel about it?
0: Oh, the kids love it. They love Taiwan. We were at first worried because it's so hot here in the summer. Mm-hmm. Whereas when we were coming to Taipei, because our summer months in the Philippines was April and May, those were the best months here in Taipei because it's it, the spring. It's it's still cool enough and nice. So when we were in the Philippines, coming here for the summer was like fun, you know? Mm-hmm. And so we were at first worried that my nieces and nephew, when they come here, they'd be like complaining how hot it is. But then, amazingly, they love it. So they're very excited. They're they're very excited about coming back. Yeah, how
1: old are they now?
0: Uh, the oldest is eleven, and the young, the two youngest ones are seven.
1: They're not old enough yet to mind leaving their friends behind for the summer and going off.
0: No, the world. no, I think they're fine. They're they're happy that you know the cousins are getting together. So so yeah, so 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 they 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 like that a lot.
1: And how many years did you do that when you were a kid?
0: So, um, starting seventh grade until, uh, senior high school. Okay. So every summer we would come and I remember the first summer we came, um, to be, so then when we enrolled at the school, um, the teacher asked my mom, like, you know, what is their Chinese level? And my mom was like, oh, she's seventh grade now. And, um, And she always gets like, um, you know, she's an honor student for her Chinese class. And so I remember very clearly the teacher pulling out a fifth, you know, like she said, oh, you know, it's seventh grade there. It's probably like sixth grade here in Taiwan. So she pulls out a sixth grade book and asks me to read a character. Can't read any. (laughs) And then she pulls out a fourth grade one, still can't read any character. And then finally she pulled out a first grade book. And then I said, Oh, I recognize this character. And then she said, Okay, what is it? And I said what it was. And then, and then she said, Can you use it in a sentence? And I kind of use it in a sentence. And she said, Okay, grade one.
1: <laughs> grade one. And you were 12 or 13 at the time?
0: I was 12 or 13 that time. And then, um, I also remember my mom enrolling us in the, um, composition class, mm. like a writing composition class that mm-hmm. was only for the local kids in the same language school. Uh, because my mom knew the uh, principal well, like the, the person running the uh, language center. Um, so she said, Oh, can my kids attend the uh, composition class? And then the principal was like, sure, you know, they can attend, but you know, their grade level is probably going to be very lo- much lower. So I remember being fifteen and in the same class with second graders. <laughs> and then I remember at the end of the summer, I finally got an A on one of my essay, okay. and the teacher said, "Oh, let's congratulate you know like Yvette for getting an A for her la- you know latest like writing assignment, and then there was this boy who said. Of course, she's so old. (laughs) (laughs) That was fun. Yeah, second, second graders. And like some of the second graders were really good writers. Like they were excellent writers. So yeah, it was very embarrassing. (laughs) But, but, but fun. So yeah, we're very grateful to my mom.
1: So, so really you had four languages. Were there other, other options in school that were taught?
0: Um, actually not in the grade school. Not in the grade school and high school I went to, but, uh, in college, I attended, um, in college, we had, uh, we had the option to take foreign languages, two semesters of foreign languages. So I, um, in college, I took two semesters of Spanish Ah. only because the Japanese classes were all filled up.
1: You would have preferred Japanese.
0: I wanted to learn Japanese because in the 90s, right? Like every, it was all about J-pop, Japanese culture, whatnot. Uh huh. Now it's K-pop.
1: <laughs> right. Right. Yeah.
0: So, so yeah. I, I, in the 90s, all uh, everyone was saying, "Oh, you need to learn Japanese because you know the Japanese economy was so strong back then." Mm-hmm. So that's why. But so that's why um, the uh, Japanese classes. Were quickly filled up.
1: Did you do you have an advantage in Spanish because it's it's uh, somewhat similar to
0: Filipino? I guess like the uh, vocabulary, it was okay, and like the uh, pronunciation is easy, like spelling is easy mm-hmm. because it's very similar. But not really in general, like in terms of like grammar and all the other stuff, no transfer.
1: Is English an official language in the Philippines? In- yes.
0: Um, <clears throat> It is the official language in the Philippines together with Filipino mm-hmm. and what's what's interesting actually is a lot of the laws in the Philippines are written in english and uh and and of course Filipino so you you would always see like laws written in both English and Filipino mm-hmm.
1: and just just regular kids growing up there do they grow up bilingual
0: um, <clears throat> you know like what's interesting is like Back, well, so this is my own theory, because then, you know, like in the last uh, project that I worked for in the Philippines for EDC, it was a literacy project Mm -hmm. where we basically had to work with the um, Department of Education to figure out how to teach the different mother tongue, like so Cebuano, Ilocano, better, Mm -hmm. uh, using it to bridge to Filipino and eventually English, hoping that. It's going to improve English better. Um, what's interesting is that uh, back, you know, before cable TV came to the Philippines, all shows on broadcast TV was in English. Like we had MacGyver, we had um, Remington Steel, Moonlighting, mm-hmm. all in English. Classics? Yeah, classics. <laughs> back in the 80s. So everything was in English. But then starting in the 90s, uh, when cable TV came, um, so a lot of those English shows got on cable. Mm-hmm. And then broadcast TV started having more Filipino uh, programming. So what I think happened, and this is what's interesting, is that the middle class to the upper class They started speaking more English because they have access to cable.
2: Right.
0: And then as, uh, TV access spread, like the majority, um, has access to, uh, Filipino programming. So it's very interesting when we started working, you know, for this literacy project, we would go visit schools. And in the schools, majority of the kids would understand Filipino very well because mm-hmm. of TV. Um, but then it's the the uh, kids um, in public schools that belong to the, um, like they call it honor class or, um, like, you know, like the best class for that grade level. Most of those kids come from middle class, you know, like families who can afford cable TV. Mm-hmm. And this is in the city in Manila. And I noticed that a lot of those kids understand English better. Hmm. And when we ask them, like, you know, why do you, you know, like, where do you learn English? And they say, Oh, because my parents at home just let me watch English programs.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Because for a lot of the parents, they believe that access to, you know, knowing English well is, is a way to get a good job in the future. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: So, but then, you know, as you move further out of Manila, like for example, when uh, we were working in the southern part of the Philippines in Mindanao, uh, very few kids can understand English. In fact, even some of the teachers had a hard time understanding English.
1: What age were the students you were working
0: with? For the literacy project that we worked on, it was first grade to third grade. Okay. First grade to
1: third grade. And it, is English taught in the schools after a certain grade? Uh,
0: well, originally it was taught, um, you know, from kindergarten onwards. But because of this latest, you know, like whole move towards mother tongue,
2: mm-hmm.
0: now they uh, they don't start teaching English until last quarter of the first grade. So basically, they just introduce it orally. Mm-hmm. And then they start learning how to read English, I think in the second or the third grade, okay, so they're they're trying to delay it a little bit because of this whole idea that you know they should need to learn their mother tongue first and ideally the skills that they learn from there they can transfer over to Filipino and then to English.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But then there are some parents who are against that because they feel like no, I want my kids to learn english and filipino once they get to school because uh the mother tongue they can learn it at home and for a lot of parents again they think that and it's true you know like uh being able to speak english and filipino will allow them to um have better chances of landing a good job in the future
1: and the earlier they start the better they're going to be and the easier it's going to be for them
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, what's interesting with the project that I work on, the uh, literacy project, one of the things that we talk a lot about is bridging. You know, like how uh, first language, if you learn your first language well, all those skills will be able, you will be able to transfer it to second language learning. Bridging can sometimes be unconscious, but then it's teaching the teachers how to make it more conscious because then not everything bridge over. In fact, some interfere. Mm-hmm. Some, some skills that you learn in the first language interfere with the second language. So, so one good example is like, for example, in English, you have he, she, right? Like the gender pronouns. Right. But, but in Tagalog, in Filipino, there is no gender pronouns. So we only say, uh, she. Sha can be a girl or a boy. So mm-hmm. it's a pronoun for a third person. Um, so, so that's one example. Um, another example is like, um, like the singular and the plural form of the verb. Like you, we say, she eats, mm-hmm. uh, we eat, right? right. But in, in, in Filipino, there's no uh, plural or singular form of the verb.
1: So you don't, um, you don't conjugate the verb to match the subject?
0: No, no.
1: That must be easier.
0: It, it is easier. Uh, so then that's why there's a lot of errors when the uh, kid starts learning English. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, one of the uh, trainings that we did for teachers is helping them become conscious about these possible interference right, uh, from one language to the other. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I mean, it, 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 it is very it was a very interesting project.
1: I've always wondered about the the gender pronouns. It's fascinating to me, having grown up as an English speaker. Um, you know, we we label things as he and she, just from an early age. So, just psychologically, what what is that like to to only have one word for for the two things that are clearly different? And then on the other hand, there are languages like Spanish and German, which every noun has a gender. So. A native German speaker will grow up saying, The moon, he is full. The sun, she is bright. And to them, when I make a mistake with the gender and say, The sun, he is bright, or even it is bright, they must look at me and say, This poor American, he doesn't know the sun is a she.
0: That is, I've never thought about it that way, but I always know that, you know, I've been speaking Tagalog or I've been back in Manila long. And, you know, like sometimes when I'm back in Manila and then I go back to the U.S., I start mixing up my pronouns. Mm -hmm. I I would say she, but it's really a he, or a he, but it's really a she. Yeah. yeah. And then I would like stop myself and like, oh, wait. Oh, right. You know, like there is that distinction. Yeah. Yeah. I've
1: heard heard that a lot because there there are many languages that that are like Tagalog that only have the one pronoun for he and she. And then when. Um, native speakers of those languages are speaking English, then um, they just don't have the distinction, and they don't Riff. think that, that they need to label the the he or the she, um, and it just it, it sounds funny to us as as English speakers because you're calling mm-hmm. you know the the little girl a he, um, <laughs> and, and I, I just wonder um, I don't know. I, It's one of those linguistic things that it's it's hard to understand if you don't grow up with it.
2: Right.
0: I wonder, well, you know, now that you're saying it, does it affect the culture? Well, Filipino culture is, I would say it's, would I call it matriarchal? Not sure. I mean, it's a very macho, there is a very macho culture. But then also women are very strong because if you look at the overseas contract workers, majority of the migrant workers are women. Hmm. They're the ones who go abroad, work and support the family Mm
2: -hmm.
0: as domestic helpers, as teachers or and it's the men who are left behind. Mm -hmm. There, there, There are more women. I have to check this though. I believe there are more women overseas contract workers compared to men.
1: I guess you, you could come up with the hypothesis that growing up with the gender equality in the language uh, leads to more um, equality later on, more stronger
2: women.
0: I, I believe Filipino women are pretty strong. I mean, like, if you think about it, the Philippines already had two women president. Mm-hmm. The U.S. still does not have <laughs> a, a woman president. This is true. I should check whether the overseas if, if there are more women overseas contract workers or compared to men. But there there is a big like overseas because the Filipinos can speak English very well, so they are it's very easy for them to find jobs abroad. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the cruises, the cruise ships are staffed by Filipinos actually.
2: Ah.
1: you uh, you learned Spanish in college, or a couple mm-hmm. years of Spanish, which uh, gave you five languages total where'd you go from there did, did you use those languages uh beyond college or yes n- knowing no. knowing those languages did that uh, decide or help you decide where you were gonna end up
0: um well definitely uh, having all those languages helped me like spanish i haven't seen any help with that because it was just two semesters my spanish is almost non-existent non-existent but um for sure like, for example, with English. So I attended grad school in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, and worked for EDC for 14 years. And I would say it's because I know English very well. So I had a very easy time adjusting to the life in the U.S. Mm-hmm. In terms of Filipino, knowing Filipino, I believe, helped me a lot when I worked for EDC's USAID-funded project that was in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. So it really helped that I knew the local language. So when when I talked to the uh, key stakeholders, because a lot of the teachers and students that we work with um, come from areas in the Philippines, like Mindanao, where English is, you know, they're not very comfortable with English. Mm -hmm. So being able to speak Filipino, I was able to understand their challenges and their needs better. Right. So there, there's immediate rapport because I knew the uh, the, the the language. Uh, so th- so that that really helped me when I worked for the uh, EDC project in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. And then did,
1: did that impact your ending up working at EDC in the first place? Uh, because it has a, a global reach and it has these opportunities for projects in many different countries.
0: You know, actually, what's interesting is like I joined EDC because I was interested in education and technology.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I never thought that I would be in development. The only reason I joined uh, the Philippine project was because it was in the Philippines. So <laughs> I, because I wanted to go home. OK. Um, but then I had no clue about development. Mm-hmm. at all especially development in a post conflict area and so when i went back to work on this project it was also my first time traveling to mindanao oh. even though i grew up in the philippines i've never been to that part of the philippines
1: to which part did you grow up
0: in manila in manila okay in manila mm-hmm. so so yeah so i've never traveled to never ever in mindanao my my friends who i grew up with in the philippines they were very shocked that I would travel to Mindanao. They're like, "What? Are you sure you're gonna go there? <laughs> no one chose to go to Mindanao. Did, did you? But it was a really good learning experience.
1: Did, did you live there, or you were based somewhere else and then traveled regularly to
0: Mindanao? Oh no, I was based in Manila. Okay. So I was based in Manila, but we would travel regularly to Mindanao. So like, uh, we would be there for anywhere between. Five days to seven days. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, if there's a training, so we're there for three, four, five days, and then after the training ends, we go back to Manila. Mm-hmm. So, so that was that was nice, you know. Like, uh, it, I saw a lot of the Philippines because of the project. So that that was very interesting.
1: So, did you see more of the Philippines as an adult going back to work there than growing up there?
0: Absolutely. <laughs> Like growing up, like we didn't really travel a lot around the Philippines. Um, we would go to like mostly in and around Manila. So like Baguio, which is about back then driving. It was like, I think five, six hours. It's like the summer capital of the Philippines. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's on top of a mountain. It's very cool uh, in the summer so we would go there and then probably outside Manila like an hour or two to the beaches but other than that we don't really travel around the Philippines Mm -hmm. but as an adult working for EDC I got to see more of the Philippines.
1: Were there other places besides Mindanao that you got to see?
0: So I also um, for so uh, so the first project that I work on from 2007 to 2012 was in Mindanao. Uh-huh.
2: Um,
0: and then um, and then we won two more projects actually. And I, I really think, I helped wrote those two proposals and I think it was really helpful that I knew the local language because I was really able to understand fully what the uh, challenges that the teachers, the students, the principals, and the schools face.
2: Uh-huh. So that
0: You know, like so that helped me write the proposal better. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: So for for those two other for those two other projects, I got to also visit like the northern part of the Philippines, Ilocos, Mm Marcos country, Uh Imelda Marcos country, Ferdinand Marcos. So Ilocos, and what's so interesting is that in Ilocos, Marcos is still considered like the best president ever. (laughs) Like you, 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 you cannot say anything negative about Marcos. Um, and uh, it was very interesting. And the people there are lovely. The Ilocanos they're they're the most hardworking people. Te- the the teachers that we work with
1: is the dialect there different from the others Tagalog. Yes.
0: And... Uh, so in the north they speak Ilocano.
1: Ilocano. Okay.
0: And and what's interesting, there is a big Ilocano. Uh, migrant community in Hawaii. Ah. So, you, so when we were doing the, uh, um, mother tongue curriculum in Ilocano, one of the references that we used actually came out from the Ilocano community in Hawaii.
1: The Philippines isn't that far from Hawaii, is it?
0: N- no, no, yeah. Na, right. I think, I'm not sure how many hours, but yeah, it's, I guess it's not that far, but that's where Marcus ended up spending his last years in exile.
1: I didn't realize because that. Because
0: there's a big Ilocano community there.
1: Uh-huh. That makes sense.
0: That makes sense, huh? <laughs> so, so, a little yeah. history
1: lesson along with the, the language discussion.
0: Yes, 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 definitely.
1: Sometimes it's hard to uh, dissociate the two. They're closely tied. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So, um, so for that project, I got to visit Ilocos. Cebu, mm-hmm. and um, another place called Bohol. So so, so, so I got around because <laughs> of the projects. Good. So that was nice.
1: And and now you're in Taipei. So how after you uh, spent so long working in the Philippines, how did you end up back in Taipei, where you spent your teen summers?
0: Well, I was on a sabbatical. Like, mm-hmm. I wanted to take some time off and just learn Mandarin, you know, like, have some fun, like, do some learning. Um, so I actually, when I came here, I actually attended three months of intensive Mandarin class at the, uh, National Taiwan Normal University. Mm-hmm. Is that right? NTNU. Yeah. It's a normal university. And, um, for three months. And then, uh, and then I ended up, uh, getting this job because the uh, CEO for this animation studio was someone I knew when we were writing the proposal for the um, Philippine Literacy Project. Hmm. So she used to run Viacom Asia. So my sister knew her because they worked in Viacom together. Mm -hmm. So my sister introduced me to her and I said, oh, I have to meet her. I want her to see if Dora, Dora the Explorer, Uh you know, that TV show, uh, I said, because it's very popular in the Philippines, I said, can... Dora helped promote literacy, you know, just by, you know, subtitling Mm -hmm. the uh, show. Mm -hmm. So basically, what's interesting in the Philippines is that a lot of the kids who come from uh, lower socioeconomic status, like the poorer kids, basically, they don't have access to books at home. But for sure, they have access to TV. Somewhere Mm -hmm. in the neighborhood, Mm -hmm. there would be a TV. So all the kids would know what's the latest telenovelas. And they all know who Dora the Explorer is.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So then I told, uh, so then when I met her, I said to her, you know, can, can we work together? And, you know, can you do same language subtitling for Dora the Explorer so that the kids watching Dora, they would have encounter with the printed word? Even if it's Filipino, at least they would see the printed word. Mm-hmm. And she agreed. And then she wrote like, um, like some sort of a letter of support as part of our submission for the proposal. So then we ended up winning the project. But then by the time uh, the project got off ground, she had she had already left Viacom. So then uh, and then she became the CEO of the studio. So at that time, when I came here, um, I found out that she um, just got the uh, position here. Mm -hmm. And so I said, hey, guess what? I'm here in Taiwan too. So we met up and then she said to me, she wanted to do more educational content. And she asked me if I would want to join her. I said, well, you know, I said, I'm just here for a year. Maybe I can just work for you as a consultant or something. And then she said, no, I want you to come work for me full-time. And I was like, uh, (laughs) so... And she's a very good salesperson, by the way. So, so, uh, so I said, Oh, okay, I'll try it out. So I did. And so I ended up here. It, it was interesting because she can only speak English. So she doesn't know Mandarin, okay. but she's learning. She, she's actually taking classes now. Mm-hmm. Uh, she can understand a little bit.
1: Is she in the second grade class?
0: <laughs> no, I think she's probably kindergarten, but she has <laughs> a one-on-one teacher. <laughs> she has a teacher. She okay. is a personal teacher, uh-huh. a tutor. Right. So, but she's she's improving. But it was really hard. Like the first 6 months, you know, navigating the culture, navigating the language was very challenging.
2: Yeah, yeah. But
0: but at least knowing some Mandarin helped. It it helped. But I still continue to struggle a little bit because there are certain terms in English that, you know, I, I always would need Google Translator to help me with. And it doesn't translate it that well. Right. B- but good enough.
1: You took a Mandarin class when, when you got there. And now mm-hmm. you are you functioning in
2: Mandarin?
0: Until now, like whenever I tell the taxi driver where I'm going... Like I would think that my Mandarin is much better every time they say what, <laughs> and they always say, "Are you Japanese?" <laughs> or "Are you from here?" But I'm, but I've been here for almost a year and a half. You should be able to. They always, they never understand.
1: At work, do you use Mandarin?
0: In, in terms of like during meetings, yes, I use Mandarin. Sometimes I end up being the uh, default translator. Mm-hmm. I'm like, uh, I always tell our people, it's like, okay, make, you know, like what I'm translating, it's please, you know, please understand it's probably just 80% <laughs> of what's being communicated. Um,
1: but you can, you can help shape the message if you're the translator.
0: I know that that is a very powerful position. <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I do use it like during meetings, occasionally for email. But very short. I still can't write a very long email in in Mandarin. Mm-hmm.
1: Mandarin seems like the kind of language that y- you you could speak it fluently, but still be kindergarten level literate.
0: Exactly in writing, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. In reading. in reading, yeah, because because of the characters, you know, like once it's not like in English you can still decode it. Right. You can sound it out and maybe like oh maybe it's this this word, but with the characters.
1: If you don't recognize the character, you don't know where to start.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, th- that's, that's the hard part. Like, I kind of feel like you have to have very good memory, mm-hmm. you know, to memorize all those characters. Yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, what's interesting about being in this environment uh, where Mandarin is spoken, because the senior management, like, so um, our CEO only speaks English. Our CFO can understand and speak English very well.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Even our CIO is also someone who can speak English very well. So most of the time, I find myself speaking in English more mm-hmm. rather than in Mandarin. But with but then some of the head of department um, cannot really communicate in English, so they still use Mandarin. Okay. And, and Mandarin
1: yeah. is the, the language of business? Uh,
0: yes, yes. So- It is.
1: Even though it's not the primary dialect of Taiwan?
0: Yes, it is. Um, Because uh, all of them were educated in Mandarin. Okay. So Mandarin is the official language um, that they learn in school and then also in business.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: But then at home...
0: And then at home, I think... What's really interesting is because, you know, when uh, Chiang Kai-shek came after the defeat from the communists when he came to taiwan he made sure that mandarin was spoken and learned in school mm-hmm. so there was like some sort of a systemic how do you call it like basically suppression can i call it suppression like a systematic suppression of the dialect mm-hmm. of the local dialect hmm. so so it was not learned in school nothing at all um so then uh, it was only in the more recent years, that suddenly there is this emphasis on, you know, the local dialects. Mm-hmm. So now um, they've started teaching it in school. Ah,
1: oh, they teach Fukinese in school.
0: Now they started teaching Fukinese and then also the other dialects like Haka and some other local dialects hmm. uh, in school. So now kids have access to that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, So, I mean, it's interesting, you know, there's always two sides of a debate.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Like some of them will say, no, you know, it's better to just learn Mandarin because that's the written language. That's the official language. Don't teach them the dialects because it will get the kids confused and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And also because the dialects and this is also the same problem that we came across in the Philippines when we were trying to figure out how. Teachers were to teach in the mother tongue because a lot of the mother tongue were like spoken languages. Very few of them were written, mm-hmm. uh, were in written form. So, for example, Ilocano it has some, it was in some written form, also Cebuano, but then you know the rule of grammar and the the grammar rules were were not how do you call it mature. Mm-hmm. So there were still lots of debate going on, and and linguists are very. Passionate people.
1: <laughs> it's a good word for it.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, so Diplomatic. So, so there was all kinds of debate, you know, going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, like, for example, with Ilocano, they have, uh, and even Cebuano. Um, so the question became whether they would preserve the original spelling mm-hmm. um, or would they adhere to the... Uh, modern Filipino alphabet.
2: Was
1: it so, traditional writing in a different alphabet? A different so, yeah, for
0: example? example, so for example, uh, like, um, I, I, because in the, uh, like for example, in Cebuano, there, they still use the letter CH. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then the question became, do, do, do we still teach the kids this letter CH or, you know, the, blend ch or is it gonna be similar to filipino but there was this whole debate so the question was do we change all the cebuano spelling to match the modern filipino alphabet Mm -hmm. so that when they learn cebuano in the written format it's already similar to the filipino alphabet so when they move to Filipino it will be an easier transition mm-hmm. so for example with the letter q mm-hmm. so the modern Filipino alphabet has the letter q mm-hmm. but it's only because there are certain English words that are used in Filipino that you, you know you cannot translate mm-hmm. but then in Cebuano i think they have a q in the way they spell certain words mm-hmm. like queso mm-hmm. So they still spell it Q U E S O. Queso. Mm-hmm. queso. Mm-hmm. But then in Tagalog in Filipino, we spell it K E S O. Ah.
1: What about Aquino? That has a Q.
0: Yes. So then we were saying like, you know, of course with uh family names you still use Q as Q, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. you can't change the spelling of a family name. But then for queso, the way it's spelled in Filipino is already K. Mm-hmm. But then original cebuano they want to spell it q u e s o because it it's closer to spanish, which is cebuano is as i mentioned is closer to spanish mm-hmm. so there was this whole debate like, do we teach the kid q u e s o when eventually they will go to k e s o mm-hmm. or do you start with k e s o right so yeah, mm-hmm. and then linguists they're all very passionate, so the <laughs> cebuano linguists were like, no, this is the cebuano. Mm-hmm. language but then some other and then but then the uh the linguists the filipino linguists are saying no filipino is a national language so therefore you should follow this rule mm-hmm. so, so yeah yeah it was very interesting
1: so i, I know it's late at night there so i, I don't want to keep you all night this is fascinating oh, it, it, it's
0: it, this is this was a lot of fun <laughs> like i, I should you know it, it's too bad uh, i don't know if because I think you would find it very interesting. There's this whole document as to how they determine what words in Filipino can be preserved
2: mm-hmm.
0: in their original spelling. Ah. So for example, mm-hmm. coke. Mm-hmm. Coke you have to preserve the spelling because it's coke. Right. Right? It's a but then there are certain other words that like teacher. So there is a Filipino words word for teacher which is guru. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people don't use that word anymore. So they always say titser. So they spell it T-I-T-S-E-R. T-I-T-S-I-R? S-E-R. Yeah,
1: titser. Titser?
0: Titser. Uh-huh.
1: Titser. So in in Tagalog, there's not a ch sound?
0: There is a ch sound. Titser. Titser.
1: But they write it T-S?
0: Yeah, T-S. Okay. So like, for example, check. We spell it check. T-S-E-K. Check. T-S-E-K. Check. Check. Because... Before there was no so because originally right there is the ch
2: mm-hmm.
0: consonant blend that was part of the Filipino alphabet. There was many version of the Filipino alphabet, but then at some point they did away with that and they said, oh okay, so anything that sounds ch, it becomes ts. Mm-hmm. So for example, we say chocolate, mm-hmm. chocolate. Chocolate. It's T S O K O L A T E. Chocolate. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. There's a whole document in Filipino explaining because in in many ways the Filipino language is a very young language. Uh-huh. It was originally a Tagalog dialect. Then it became a written only. You know, like it, I think in the 1940, uh-huh. 1939, when the Philippines became an independent uh, country. And
1: with the influences from English and Spanish and Chinese, then they have uh, some interesting combinations to work with.
0: Yes, yes, very.
1: I think I should let you go.
0: This was a lot of fun.
1: Thanks so much for uh, doing this.
0: I hope you were able to get something.
1: A lot, yes. I I learned a lot about Filipino history and um, Chinese and Filipino languages, and you have some good stories along the way.
0: Okay, good, good, good.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Um, Have a good day.
1: That's it for episode three of the Lexplorers podcast. Thank you for joining us, and thanks to Yvette for sharing her story. We'll be back soon with more language learning conversations in our podcast series. You can subscribe to Lexplorers on the Lexplorers.com website.